Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I'm excited to have my friend Mario Quesada back um, because he helps me with my mindset. So I like for him to come on as I'm struggling with certain things or as I continue hearing things. So I, I like to dedicate a time, maybe it's every couple months, where Mario comes on and we give you the opportunity to be able to pop on live and ask a question. So if you, if you have something or something you're dealing with or struggling with, or um, we have a few questions from the audience. So I want to make sure that we, we get to those and we'll just see how, excuse me. I clearly just ate lunch and now I'm burping it up. (laughs) Um, So Mario, how are you doing? Oh, as you take a sip, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. My, my daughter uh, woke up at two o'clock this morning. And so uh, did I, I could not go back to sleep. Um, so my poor wife was in there trying to console her for the rest of the morning. Um, and so that's, that, was, that was how our morning went. But it's good. I'm, I'm up. I'm awake and ready to help whoever wants to help. Okay, so it is 8.30 in Hawaii. So I'm glad to see a bunch of other people are popping in. So I really appreciate it. You guys can always use the chat. Feel free to ask a question or do something. If you don't want everybody to see your question, you can change it so that it says to just uh, Mario and I, um, or you can make it for everybody and it says everyone. So we're going to start something I've been dealing with. um, And I've talked to you about this already and kind of I called this uh, episode self-sabotage and uh, fear of success. So some of them are, are they're really related to me in, in, in one full swoop, but sometimes I might have a fear of uh, success all on its own. And then sometimes it might just be that I'm self-sabotaging um, something because of something else that I believe in, about myself. So when you, how has that, how have you seen that? Or am I alone? And you're the only person I'm the only person that you help this with. <laughs> Uh, you're definitely not alone. Uh, many people, uh, I've talked to many people that have very similar, um, struggles and I'll just call it a struggle. Um, and it, it boils down to some, some kind of, uh, something that you, you kind of, uh, indicated is some kind of belief, um, that we hold over from childhood, or we have, we have started to believe from childhood or, or adolescence that, um, there's a lack in us and therefore we cannot X, Y, Z. Um, so you're definitely not alone. I think, I think more often than not, um, people who want to do things, um, above and beyond, um, normal life, uh, uh, struggle with this. And then even people that are just holding down normal jobs or regular jobs, nine to five jobs, and, um, have just, you know, have families or don't have families. I think everybody struggles with, um, uh, that, um, self-sabotage voice inside their head. I don't think it always has to just do with work, right? Like, I don't know how, like, um, did you have any, well, how did you feel when you became a dad? Were you like, I'm ready to go. I got this handled. <laughs> uh, actually, it was, it was almost the reverse. Um, before my daughter was born, um, before we even got pregnant, um, or my wife 
got pregnant. Um, I wanted a lot of kids. I, I, was, I was like, oh, I'm going to have a big family. It's going to be so much fun, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we got pregnant and uh, my wife got pregnant. And um, as the due date came closer and closer, my insecurities of, of raising a kid, raising a daughter, my insecurities of um, being um, less than whatever I thought I needed to be uh, for this little person that was coming into this world that was going to depend 100% on, on us to keep her alive and love her and, and mature her and disable her, um, I became more and more anxious about it and more and more um, stressed out that I couldn't do it because of whatever my self-sabotaging beliefs were. And it's really strange, but the moment the nurse placed her in my arms, it all immediately went away. Because at that moment, I understood that she's mine and I have, I can, I can take care of her and I can love her and I already love her. And I know that I'm not going to do anything uh, besides do the best that I can for her. Um, so it's almost the opposite. I, I struggled before she was there. And I think that's, uh, th that's kind of, um, part and parcel with our, with our problems. We, and it's very typical of fear. We fear before the thing happens in the moment. Actually, we're not afraid because we're, we're actually doing stuff. We're taking action in that moment when things arise, it's all the pre, the, the, the before the time, the before um, the issue arises, we're worried if we have what it takes to do whatever it is. Um, and so that's, that was, I guess that was, if that, I think it answers your question, but that was, yeah. that was that, that thing. I like to ask when, if, if to myself, I guess, but really I don't ask myself these questions. I let you ask them to me or somebody else ask them to me, <laughs> but if somebody else, like if a, somebody, a, a client that I'm working with or a customer or a student, and, um, they're afraid of not measuring up um, or afraid of just like not knowing how to do something. And I'm like, man, there are so many things I don't know how to do. And I think about as a, as a kid, as a student, I, I'm like, I don't expect you to know how to do them. I don't expect you to know how to design a business card. I don't expect you, but I expect you to know how to look for what goes on a business card, not just assume, you know, and I think there's, as I've gotten older and there's more problems, I, I, I'm like, well, I can figure it out. Like I have that, I can figure it out kind of, um, attitude, right? She's like, I'm going to hug. You were talking about me, dad. I'm going to come over and hang out. Yes. So, um, yeah, go ahead. So I think that it happens as we, and I mean, I know lots of moms and dads and uh, it's maybe something similar. There was, um, they were excited and then got super anxious and there's still anxious times, but they know that they're going to figure it out. Nobody's like, you know what? I didn't go to class for parenting. I, I don't know um, how to do this. I wish maybe somebody had told me like, you're going to be able to figure it out. But I think I probably wouldn't have believed them. But I think mm -hmm. in, in, as a parent, you're like, I'm just going to figure this out. Uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's I, I think there's, there's a couple different things that you were saying. Um, I, I think when we don't know when it's a completely new situation, um, I've been around kids, you know, all, all my life, my sister has kids and I'm comfortable being around kids, but this was different because it was my own kid, right? This is, this is someone that was mine. Um, you know, with your example, with the kids and, and the business cards, you know, of course, they're not going to know exactly what to do, uh, what to put on. Um, they may not know what to put on a business card because business cards are, are, are actually less used now than ever. Right. So um, like who prints business cards anymore? I do. I love business cards, but um, I think there's a little bit of, of understanding what we can't do and being afraid that we can't there's a di- there's a big difference right it's like i know i can't do something right but then there's a whole different side of like oh i'm afraid i can't do that um and and for some reason we place we place you know e- extraordinary importance on certain things um it's the fear of not being able to perform i think is what it comes down to mm-hmm. right and we re- we reverse that we pull it back and and we try to figure out like well, why am I so afraid of, of performing or why am I so afraid of it comes down to failure or whatever that is? What does failure mean to me? Well, at some point during my life, um, I was, you know, I was probably um, belittled for failing or belittled for not being enough or belittled for um, uh, doing things the wrong way um, when I was just trying to do them, you know, at all. Um, so it, it probably in, it probably encased a fear in my heart of not doing things right for the first time or at the first time, not doing it perfectly. Right. So which brings about perfectionism and imposter syndrome and all these other things that we're afraid of. Um, so when we enter into situations where there's something new, we either, we either seek to learn and educate and, build con- competence and confidence or we just fear our way into it and stress our way into it and and then when we fail that voice comes back to us and says see you can't do that mm. right so it's it's a it's it's a combination it, it, it all comes back to a choice like when when there's something new coming around that we see that 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 might invoke a little fear in us we have a choice to make do we educate, become competent, and become confident through that before that thing happens or before it has to happen? Or do we cower in fear, telling ourselves we can't do it, doing the bare minimum, and then entering into that situation less than prepared than we could have been? Or it's a self... Is, Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Self-sabotage. Right. It's exactly what it is. So... Because then it's like, see, I couldn't do it. I always mess up. I always leave my clients hanging or I never can do this. Um, But sometimes it's just about problem solving in another way. And I think sometimes as solopreneurs, we tend to, we're trying to figure it out on our own. So I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was really frustrated with one of my um, students and I was like, I showed him how to do it and he didn't do it. He wasn't doing it the way I told him to do it. And I remember being very up, very frustrated 
and even talking to you about this and you're like, well, maybe he just needs to figure it out on his own. And I'm like, but I'm telling him the shortcut. I'm telling him the easy button and they just don't want to listen. And it can be really like I've been there. I'm trying to save you from getting yelled at or making a mistake with a client or a boss. And and you were like, but maybe this is part of it. So then this comes in as I'm thinking about if Paul's going to hire somebody or, or more is going to hire somebody. Or I know a John Clavijo, he has people that work for him. And there's as you, the first people that you bring on, you kind of have to have that like, I don't know, grace period for them to make some mistakes and then for to be able to know how their process is and how your process, because it might, my process might not always be the quickest or fastest way, but maybe it's something we need to have as a conversation when you're bringing somebody on, Hey, I'm going to give this a little bit of extra time because I'm trying to see, and I need you to tell me if this is working or if this isn't working or if you need something. And so I don't, I don't, um, but I think this holds a lot of people that I talk to back from because they're like, well, nobody's going to do it my way. It's just going to, I don't work well. I it's, I just have to do it alone. I'm going to have to just do this. Right. And then it's that self-fulfilling prophecy because nobody's going to do it the way I want it done. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're, you're talking about a few different things, but um, in the instance of, uh, uh, trying to educate someone on doing a task or helping them through a hurdle that they're facing. Um, I've, you know, I've come to the realization that it's always better to teach them, to teach them principles of, of what to do and, and have them, have them mess up through making it themselves, um, teaching them bits and pieces here and there, um, it's always better to do that because then they learn, they learn the mistakes, they learn how to do it. They make it their own. Sometimes it's exactly the way we want them to do it as creative directors or art directors or whatever. Sometimes they do it. They're a completely different way, but the, the result is that they did it. And that should be the goal. The goal is to educate them to do what they need to do for the job or for the project or whatever it is. It should never be, the goal should never be, you need to do it my way because then I should, I should just do it because there's no reason for me to have you do it. If I'm going to tell you exactly how to do everything, mm. there's no reason for me to do it right? or for them to do it that way. Well, and uh, I know that in some, uh, like at camp, we learned Michael Janda talked about like having processes set up but that processes can continually be revised and improved upon. So if something's not working, so if I've done this 500 times and I've found a really fast way to do it, this is the way I think works well. If you want to try something and add something, absolutely. But, but you know, it shouldn't take three days to do this thing that it took somebody three hours to do. So maybe you should follow the steps. Um, and I, I think that there's, there has to be some experimentation, but me as a teacher or me as a, a, a boss, I have to, I can't think that it's just going to be a carbon copy of me. And this is really frustrating because it's like, especially if you've had these 
systems in place, right? Like I've told you, it's, I even have screenshots. I have a video. I have all this. Why can't you just do it the way I asked? Right. And so this is where some of it's like they have, even if it's not a student, if it's just somebody, um, maybe it's about having clear expectations of these are the things that I need. But even like, we don't always know. And so we have to be able to revise what we're, you know, what we're needing, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's really a question, but that was a big thing for me that you were like, well, maybe they should, you should let them, let them fail. I mean, not fail the yeah. project, but fail like they're not as fast. Yeah. And, and I think there's a difference between um, processes and um, specific procedures or if that makes sense it's like there's a step-by-step there's there's a there's a there's an ikea catalog or an ikea uh how to Mm -hmm. assemble things and then there's showing them how to screw things in and the best way to do something right there's there's a difference between doing it step by or having them do it step by step and having them discover their own designer in them in themselves and create create a way or a method for them to do it their fastest because not all of us work the same right Mm -hmm. i may i may start with um sketching a thousand sketches um and you may um start with watercolor and Paul may just get out, um, you know, just for, just for, um, just for like uh, explorations, you know, say, like just kind of bathe himself in like typography and just kind of like be inspired that way. There's a different way to do everything, but the same, the same result should be, you know, a great project done. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the, the way we get there is, is, is less important unless we're teaching um, you know, a mechanical engineering kind of class, right? Where it's very important where steps need to be followed because this before this has to happen. Um, I don't think it's as, as important in art and design, but. So, but that's, we, we tend to want something that is this step-by-step or we want to know that we're right when so much of what we're doing is conceptual and it's subjective and it it's for a specific client. So there's not that, you know, I think in school we're taught, oh, well, you want to get an A, that we want this to be right. So I think there's, there's, we have to be okay to fail and it's really hard. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, we have to ask ourselves, well, why are we so afraid of failing? What's the, what, what is, what does that ultimately mean that we're, we're failing? Does it mean that, you know, I think it, it, it has a huge, has, has a lot to do with how we see failure. Are we seeing failure as in, as in ways to learn, uh, as in as in as in learning how to do, um, learning how to do it the right way by by figuring out all the wrong ways to do it first, or uh, is, does failure mean that that we should just give up and stop mm. doing stop doing this thing? Like, oh, I got I got an F in, um, you know, I got an F on this project um, because I didn't follow the specific steps. Um, um, but I had a lot of fun doing it. And I learned a lot. So, you know, does that mean that I should quit school and, and do something else? Or, or does that mean that 
I can take everything that I've learned into the next phase of things, right? Right. Absolutely. We're not about perfection. We're definitely about the process and the progress and just making steps, taking the action. So here's one of our questions from the audience. So do you have any advice on gaining confidence, which I think is, is big, even if we've been in the field a long time, um, we still have confidence issues to approach clients we aspire to work with. So I don't know why we get in our heads so much about this. Like, I don't know. Um, can you talk about that? And then I'll ask the rest of this. I guess I would, I would ask what the confidence issue would, would be. Um, is the confidence issue in the, in the, um, the excellence of work? Is it, does it mean that are they, or are they just, you know, is it like they're, um, if, if it's a, you know, if it's a, a band that we want to work with, or if it's a, a superstar, somebody, whatever we want to work with, what would be the, the confidence issue that I have moving into it? Okay. I have a, I have an answer. Let's say it's the band. Okay. Or it's a music industry. We want to break into the music industry okay. and I have done some, I know how to put together these things that I'm going to be asked to be doing, but I might not be doing it the way they do it. And there might be a different, um, or again, they, they are the music industry. They are this, uh, it is, I don't even know any music record like MCA, NCA. Is that even one still at Columbia? Is that one? I don't even know. Clearly I don't listen to music. Um, but anyway, so there, this, whatever recording studio. And so maybe I, or at least this is what I would would be worried about, especially if I'm kind of like this solo, I'm doing this. I mean, I think about this with web design. I'm like, oh no, well, if I went to somebody who really knows, you know, something, then maybe they would be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing it this way? You know, like they would, maybe it's just, maybe it's that fear of them. I don't know exactly, but here's, here's the, here's the rest of that question. Um, you're countering the one chance first impressions, the perfectionism, um, and how do we put our dream clients, these, uh, how do we get in our heads that these are just ordinary people? They're not like that. If it's a record label, that it's not just this big, huge person or people. Do you know what I mean? Maybe. I, I think so. Um, first, I would, I would I would get some perspective on what I'm offering, right? What am I offering? Um, is it something that they need? Do I see a need here? Is there, is there a way that I can tangibly fill this need? And if there is, then I would just put all my work together that would, that would showcase me solving the problem that they have. If there's no problem, then there's no reason to do anything, right? Um, if it's just a, a aspiration to do work for somebody that is the same work that they've had somebody else do, then what, what's the point of me doing it, right? I have to really understand what I bring to the table, the specialness of what I do, right? Mm. Whether or not you you think you're the best designer in the world or whatever, you know that you do you do certain things a certain way and you have a certain style. 
So if I can bring my style to the table and solve their problem in a unique way, then it really doesn't matter who I'm approaching with that problem because that's a problem they have. I have a solution. And if they want to go with me with that, then that's, then, then that's a win-win. If they don't, then, then either our styles don't match up and, or, or they're not really interested in doing something a new way. Um, whatever the case is, um, my confidence should be in that I'm a professional because I've been doing this um, for however many long, long years or de decades or whatever. Um, I know what I'm doing. I'm an expert in my field. I have my own style. And if they want to work with me, then here I am and I can solve your problem. I think it's just showcasing that we can solve the problems that, that our clients have. And it really doesn't matter um, who we're approaching. Um, my friend who was just really recently on your, on your show, uh, Jesse Showalter, um, shared a case study that he did um, to win one of his biggest clients. And it was a case study based on the startup that he and my brother were working on a few years back. And Jesse kept saying that this was the worst uh, case study that he had ever done. And it was like 10 slides. It was kind of like a carousel. And he was just showing them, hey, this was this is what the problem was. This is how we that's this is how we worked out the solution. And this is the solution. This is the problem. This is how we worked out the solution. This is the solution. That's exactly how it was. There was really, there was no flash. There was no whiz bang to it. He was just like cycling through a Figma showcase and, and they, they're like, you're hired. Why? It wasn't because it was the most beautiful thing in the world. It was because they saw the problem. They saw his thoughts, thought process and they saw how he solved it. And, and that was it. And at the end of the day, our, our clients just want us to solve their problem. And they want they want they want us to solve it with with professionalism and dignity, and they want them they want their their product, whatever it is, even if it's themselves, to shine in the process. And if we can do those things, then there's really we can approach anybody to do anything because we know how to solve problems, and that's that's really what what people want at the end of the day is their problem, their their you know if it's design, their design problem, it's mindset, their mindset problem, whatever it is, that's what they want solved. I don't one know if the, I answered that no, correctly, I, Paul, but I hope hopefully that helps. So one of the things that is standing out here is that when you are solving a brand strategy problem or you're helping somebody, a coaching client with a mindset, it could be the way you approach it. Uh, the questions that you ask, that's where you're talking about style. It's not necessarily your design style, right? Because um, you're not doing a deliverable for you, you, Mario, aren't doing a deliverable, but sometimes it's Paul, there could be plenty of people who are doing uh, um, book design. There are people who are doing the covers, but you ask questions and you solve it in a different way. But this is where self-sabotage comes in because we don't see that we're different because we're not talking to other people maybe in our industry or we're not talking to other business owners about how we're, how our process is. So we're like, Nothing. And, and Doc asked this question. Do you think that articulating our difference is part is the part that we struggle with the most understanding what we do? And I think that it's and I don't know, I guess I want to know what you think um, about how important because that's when to me, that's when self-sabotage comes into that solopreneur. We we can we know we can solve something, but then we're like, oh, maybe I'm not doing it right or. And, but so, then that maybe it's just style, 
right? Yeah, I think it is style. Um, when we say right, um, we, we kind of like, <laughs> it's the kind of the same thing as, as, as using never and always, right? When we say, say I want to do it right. Well, what does that mean? What does right mean? Right means you solve the problem. That's what right means. Um, and right means that you stood true to your design sense and who you are as a designer and um, you know, are creative, if, since we're talking to creatives. It means that you stayed, stayed true to your style and, and the way you do things. Um, that's what right means. Um, so when we have this false idea of what right is or perfect or the best or whatever it is, um, that's all, it's all made up. It's all made up and it's all made up in our own heads. And that's the, that's the problem that we face. And that's where self-sabotage comes in, right? It's like, well, I want to do it right. Well, what does right mean? Well, I want to solve their problem. Well, you've solved this problem thousands of times before. So why would this, why would this be any different? Mm -hmm. Right? So when, um, when we say right, we have to really get some perspective on what that means. Are we putting extra weight on what we think right is for them? Because if we're trying to, if we're trying to do something special for these people, then we actually remove what's special about what we do. Right. So we, we have to gain some perspective. We have to step back and say, what am I really good at? I'm really good at solving these problems. Does this client have one of these problems? Yes. They have these two problems and I've solved them hundreds of times. Okay. Why don't you think you can solve it for them? There's no reason why you can't because you've already solved that problems hundreds of times for other people. So when we start getting these ideas in our head where there's a right way or there's a perfect way, or there's the best way, um, when it takes us out of the way we've typically done it, which has worked in the past and has solved problems in the past, then we get stuck in this really weird cycle in our brain and we start, we start fantasizing about things that are not happening. And we start getting this negative, this negative um, loop in our head and it's not, it's not really healthy. And that's what, that's what, that's what starts self-sabotaging. Um, the process and, and ourselves and our work. That's when we start seeing a degradation in our work because we're trying to do things a different way than we would usually naturally do them. Yeah. So sense? yes, I love this. I love that I, um, I, Jody, who was on last week, she she when she worked at Tommy Bahama, they would be like, "Oh, can you? We don't like this one. Can you do it? At, can you do it different?" And she'd be like, "Sure." She's like, oh, it gives me more opportunities to create something. And I think maybe that's, it's just, um, there are many ways to solve a Rubik's Cube. It's just, how are you going to twist it today, right? So there's lots of solutions. You just have to um, decide on one to try instead of it being the only. There is, And that's what right, I think, is saying. So that's one of the things I'm taking from today. So I love that you're making right bad in a way. Right. There is lots of right ways. So maybe I don't need to use that. So and also maybe um, I need to. Yeah. In, in your head, there, there, you we fantasize about the right way. Right. And we make the right way this fantasy, unapproachable, unattainable, perfect stars aligning, skies parting, rainbows happening thing when it's not, it's the right way is solving the problem. And you can solve the problem many, many ways. 
That's you right. can solve the problem many, many ways. And so having, having that perspective for, for yourself is huge because if you, if you understand your abilities and knowing how to do what you do and you're firm in understanding your process, then anybody can throw that same problem at you with different words at any time. And you can help walk them through solving mm-hmm. that problem for them. So Doc says that the el- even sitting with his self to figure out the elevator pitch is ha- of what he do is hard. So what would you tell Doc in that situation? Like, and Doc, you're welcome to come on, but I don't know if you can, but if you want to just raise your hand or. So your elevator pitches is, is uh, can take some time, but it comes down to the essential part pieces of what you do. Who are you? What's your, what's your excellence? Like, what's your zone of excellence? What do you do that is really great? That's better, you know, that, that, that um, you do different than everybody else. And, and who do you work for? And that's really kind of your elevator pitch. I am a brand strategist and mindset coach for uh, the creative industry um, out of Honolulu, Hawaii. And um, I, I do brand strategy. It's kind of like, I, I, this is what I do. That's, that's, that's what I do. Right. I, you know, Diane, you're, you're a podcast host and you're, you're a creator and uh, you're a design um, professor um, for, for people who are needing community and wanting, wanting more community. So really, it, it really like takes me, it'll take some time to like hone that down. Hey doc, how you doing, man? Um, so ask so doc. Know, does that make sense? But you'll have to yeah, unmute doc. doc. Are you looking for like a formula to, to help? bring about your, your elevator pitch or what, what's the, give me your elevator pitch. Oh man. <laughs> okay. Uh, essentially it's, um, oh, crap. I was working on it this morning. Um, you want to read noticed, it? Whatever, yeah. Whatever. I, read it? I mean, can I do that? It's, it's not complete, yeah. but it's, it's, uh, I've noticed that businesses struggle to visually represent themselves. Clearly they borrow from their heroes aesthetically and visually, but they don't speak for themselves. And so I work with companies to do more than dress them with the des- with design. Uh, we work to build a strategy to share why they exist. Okay. Now that's, that's like, um, do, do you do brand strategy? Do you do like uh, bigger strategy things? Or? I'm getting into that and it's, okay. I enjoy that a lot of, because it's the personal side of, getting to know the the clients and things like that and why they're doing it so that the design and illustrations and whatnot can be more thoughtful. My sweet spot is being able to figure out how to do illustration with purpose for them so that it, it moves the needle for them. And so the, the whole thinking and strategy and stuff like that has been relatively new to the offerings, um, but I'm enjoying it as much as the actual illustration portion of things. So what you just said, like maybe 20 words ago, that's your, ele- that, that's your elevator pitch. Okay. Right. What I do is make illustrations for companies that has more thought behind it than just pretty, pretty illustrations. Something like you said, something like that, right? It's recorded. That, that's your Sweet. elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's your elevator pitch. It's like, it's like, what do you do? Well, you're an illustrator, right? I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you, you do, you do, um, you help businesses. And this is, and this is a di- you know, different way to frame it. You can say, uh, do you know how, right? Businesses 
never have illustrations that have strategy behind them? Well, I solved that by doing deep strategy or I, by doing fantastic illustrations uh, based in, based in stri- uh, strategic initiatives to accomplish their goals. He said something about purpose and moving the needle. Yeah, that, 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 I, I mean, I, re- I rephrase that, but yeah, purpose and moving the needle. So it's like, you know how, you know, you know how businesses struggle to have illustrations or, or visuals that truly represent their brand. I solved that by creating strategy-based illustrations that move them towards their goals and move the needle in their sales or something like that, right? Because that, that, that's, really, that's really the heart of what you do. And that's what people want to hear. It's like, oh, okay, cool. That, I get what you, what you said. That whole long thing before, you lost me after that first okay. sentence, right? But if you get, if you get really tactical and, and you already have it inside you, right? You, you already knew because you, you just kind of like you iterate, you just sputtered it out as you were explaining it. Um, it was already there. So I think that that's the part I feel like, at least with me, and I'm assuming that there are others out there that they get into what they have done for the last, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And it's like, how do I combine that into this? Here you go. Nice, clean, packaged. Um, yeah. Super hard. Saying. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's super hard because I don't want to, I think we disqualify ourselves, like you were saying earlier, far too often as, as an industry. And, and so to overcompensate that, we convolute by not yeah. wanting to leave out anything that they might think is more important than what I think is more important. And right. so it's, that it's, hierarchy, you're constantly fighting yourself. Yeah, just, the, the thing is like, what, what I like to say is like, like, we have to distill it, right? It's like, you know, you've got you've to put that, put that liquid on the stove and let it reduce down to the essence of what it is, right? So it's like, we have all these words. Okay, what am I saying with this long phrase? Well, I'm saying that I help. I help businesses, right, um, with in, in with illustrations accomplish their goals. I, I tell all my, all my coaching clients it's really really healthy to get a journal and get a pen and get everything out of our brain whenever we're thinking of a big big concept. Like for you, it's this elevator pitch. I say, so you sit down and you're writing all this stuff. Like, what is it I do? And you're you're looking at all these things and you have all these metrics and then it becomes like a four page document that you're like. I have to reduce this down to 10 seconds. How does that work? Well, what happens is you start looking at it and it's like, okay, well, this page is all about me doing different kinds of illustrations and how the illustrations work. Blah, blah, blah. So really what I, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm a strategy, I'm a strategic based illustrator, right? That does, that does work for XYZ companies to do XYZ. Amanda had a really, you know, a, a different, uh, in the chat, she had a different uh, way to say it, right? I do what, for whom, where, or I do what, for whom, how, right? And 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 really, you you just and it takes a lot of work to to kind of reduce it down. Um, you know, if you if you want to uh, connect in a call later, I'd, I'd be glad to like walk you through through it some more. We can do that, but um, yeah. it it does take some time. But um, the more you work on it the more essential and effective it becomes. And then it's like just snappy. 
and just because yeah, I like then, breathing, then, just and, muscle memory. Exactly, just muscle yeah. memory. You're just you're just you know creating new grooves for your brain and 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 your brain. Like whenever anybody says, "What do you do?" I do this for these people in this way, and that's it. And um, the more you know, the more natural be- or the more you practice, the more natural it becomes. So one thing cool. um, we do, uh, Doc was part of the very beginning of Power Station, but now we make. I make them, everybody inter- introduce themselves. And so you have to introduce yourself over and over. And then if you're using some words or people like floating away, like Mario was floating away when you were talking all corporate then we call each other out on that. And, um, but it's like, maybe you just need a friend that you can be like, Hey, this is what it is. And you do it every week at the same time. And that's all you do. It's for a 15 minute call. And you're just exploring that thing, but somebody who's going to call you out on it. And I think that and D was saying in the chat, she's like, finally, after months and months of doing this. And I think that, you know, as you've done it in the beginning, it's you're reading it and then it becomes not reading. You're like, oh, and I wrote down, well, how would a client introduce you? How would a client that you've done this to this, I, you know, how would they introduce you to someone and maybe ask them, say, you know, what would you um, what would you tell your best friend who also owns a company, what would you tell them that I did for you? And then that way, you know, we think we're doing all these other things, but really Mario's helped me move forward in areas of my business that I was getting locked down on. Right. And he, he helped me combine maybe not the physical part yet because I don't drink enough water, but um, (laughs) the spiritual, the uh, mental and the emotional part together. Right. Those are the things that that he's working, helping me to work on. And so that's kind of how he's helped me break through some barriers, things where that are holding completely putting me in like deer in headlight mode. He's helped me break through those. And I'm sure he thinks he does a whole or he would say he does a whole lot of other things. But that's how I would probably describe it. But it's made a huge difference. Another way to look at it, Doc, is, is like what would be the most enticing conversation starter? Hmm. Right. It's like, it's like from my oh, point of view to like an off as yes. an offering or. Yeah. So like if someone said, Hey, so, so what is that you do? And you gave them a really enticing like snippet of what you did that would say, Oh, that's really interesting. Tell me more. Then you can start going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. There's always more you can say, right. Yeah. But what would be the most enticing way to say, accurately explain what you do uh, for who and, and what would be the result, right? So just if you can make it as snappy as that, then just think of it as this is my conversation starter. This is my elevator pitch conversation starter because you know, with a good conversation starter, there's going to be a, a conversation, right? Yeah. And that's really what you want. Okay. Well, well thanks for letting me pop in and, and share that. And, and right, I appreciate no the feedback. Thank you. Yeah, good to welcome. see you. Yeah. All right. So one more question. Um, oh, this one was a really good one uh, and really difficult, I think. How do we separate our own sense of self-worth from our business or professional identity? Uh, that's a good question. Um, Is it important to we, do that? We hear all the time that you are not your work, right? And um you know, we aren't just our work, but for creatives, I think a huge part of us is is what we do, right? 
And I think it's a part of our identity. Um, so understanding that, yes, we are not just our work, but a big part of us is, is what we do because it's how we express ourselves. It's not just our work, but it's, it's how we express, how we feel. Um, we were talking to, I think Amy might still be on here, but she was saying, you know, I do, I do it for a job but I also do it for fun. I do it on the side. It's like a huge part of my life. And I think for creatives, you know, creating is a huge part of our life. Now separating the job from who we are is, is, is important. Um, so I, I think identifying as a creator or a, a creative person um, is okay. I think it's, it, it is part of our identity. It's, it's part of, it's part of um, um, who God has created me to be as, as a creator. My brother asked me a while ago, he's like, he's like, you know, what is it that, you know, what is it that you would do if, if you had anything you wanted? Like money was no logic, blah, blah. And I was like, uh, it would be easy. I would, I would do, I would, I would help people and I would create something. So I would, you know, as far as like a job or, or it's like in, in my free time, I was like, I'd work out, I would help people and I would create something. And he was like, he's like, he's like, wow, you, you came up with that so fast. I was like, I've just done the work to really essentialize who I am. I need to work out. I need to, I need, I need to move my body. I need, I have this innate need to help people. And I have this God given ability and need to create something to be creative. And that doesn't pinpoint me down to my, my job. You know, I'm not, you know, when, when, when people ask us, you know, oh, what do you do? Some people are gonna say, oh, I'm a, I'm a this for this company or I work for this company, mm -hmm. right? Creatives are like, well, I'm a graphic designer or I'm a creative, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's just kind of like the tip of the iceberg, right? I think we should even, I think we should define ourselves more by what we do, not, not for who we do it for, or not the type of, you know, maybe not the, Oh, I, you know, I, I just draft whatever. It's like, no, I, I'm a creator. I, 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 I'm a creative. I, I, I create things from, from nothing. God's given me an imagination to, to use typography and, and design and I paint and I, I have to create stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm delving into like creating products, now and that's all this thing is so i think it's okay to define ourselves by by what we do if we have a good understanding a healthy understanding of of what it is we do and i think if, if, if it's broad enough and it's if it's expansive enough then then it kind of encompasses more of of who we are and it's okay to identify ourselves that way i wonder if uh creatives have less of a problem as they're changing jobs um, or as they're moving, because that is a constant, it, uh, it, the working for that company doesn't define our type, how we describe ourselves maybe. Um, because I think about like, no, my sister doesn't have any problems changing jobs, um, but she does, uh, you know, she's like, I work in marketing or I help, you know, startups or in the tech industry or something. So but like if she was a CMO, a creative marketing officer or something that sometimes people will define themselves by that title 
and maybe that's what you're saying is the title that we give us is like Amy was saying, she's a creator, whether she's at work or whether she's at home cutting, making cards for her niece and nephew, she's, she is creating and nobody can take that away because she right. has that either at work or not. Yeah. I think, I think we, we, it, it becomes problematic when we define ourselves by our title, right? Mm. The title that we were given. And if we don't have that title, then we have this loss of identity. But if we remove ourselves from that title and we understand what that title means, like, you know, if, mm -hmm. if I'm an art director or if I'm a creative director, or if I'm a motion graphics, you know, um, expert, or I'm a brand strategist or, mm -hmm. or whatever it is, you know, there's, there's a difference between uh, what it is I, I actively do for work and there, and then who I identify as. I identify as a creative. I identify as a creator. Um, and I will stand by that. I won't always be a brand strategist. That's mm -hmm. something I do for work. And I, I'm really, really good at it. But um, I don't know that I will always be a brand strategist. I will always be a coach, though. And if you listen to what I said, I will, I will always be helping people in some way, shape or form. And the way I help people is I coach them through whatever it is that I'm able to coach them through. I can't coach somebody through mechanical engineering because I'm not a mechanical engineer expert. The other thing is also having examples. So like the having an example. So for doc to say, I did this um, for this company, or I did this for one of my clients by doing this. And so um, somebody asked, they said, well, what kind of, what success have you seen with one of your clients? And being able to explain that gives them a less corporate wordy way to explain what, what we did and what, what they were able to get and what problem I was able to solve for them. And I think having, they said to have three, like three ideal clients um, in the back of your mind that could be used as case studies for for people can you just refer tighten up that question because <laughs> there's like there's okay, a so, lot of things you said so, so um having a, an example to use so that if you're talking to somebody a client's friend that you can say oh well this is how i helped client a do this mm -hmm. and so it because um, you were saying i'm always going to be a coach because i help people with uh i coach them through a problem so it's the action, right? Yes. It's always good to have tangible examples of how you solve people's problems or how you help people, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and if you, again, if you distill the, the problems down to their, their most essential form, it's a lot easier to talk about what those things are, right? Um, in a mindset setting, I may help somebody with um, like, breakthrough in their life and I may help somebody with their self-esteem and I may but can I can I boil that down can I boil that down let's see you do it right now in live with your daughter let uh, boil it down here where it's the end of the time some so. problem some problems are harder to solve in the moment but it's always um, about the client right it's about who you're talking to it is. It is. Um, and in this case, it was pressing the right button for her for her iPad. Um, really, is to to do some work and really figure out the essential of what the essence of what you do. I help people 
help, you know, I help people with their mindset get unstuck so that they can have a better life, right? That's a broad term. I help people with their confidence. I help people live fuller, better lives by, you know, I can, I can go deeper and deeper and deeper. But if I can boil it down to the essentials, then I'll have a really tangible example of, of what it is I do and how, how do I, how I help people. And, you know, in the case of a book designer, or in the case of a, a poster designer, in the case of a website designer, you know, you do the same thing. You know how people's websites look really yuck and you don't really know how to get around that. I solve that by strategizing their, their, their website, organizing their content and helping people get through their content to their most essential pieces immediately. That that's, tells me exactly what you do as a website designer. Um, as a graphic designer, the same thing. I organize people's information so that's really easily obtained and, ex and explained. And so that they can get their message across and, and win in their business mm -hmm. and whatever it is. Just the essentializing of, of you know, each piece of what you do and that will help you that will help you actually just gain confidence in understanding that you know what you know and you do what you do and you're really confident and confident in, 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 your, in, um, in your industry, in what you do. It's, it's really about like, the more you remind yourself what you actually can do, the, the stronger your confidence will be um, telling everybody about it because we've done some work to really get essential on, on those ideas. So Doc also said some of it's also being able to articulate the value uh, that I at the day job, um, especially when he's trying to maybe build momentum for personal work. But but forgetting to talk about the value of the day job is um, maybe something that we all do or we're talking about this new thing that we're doing, but we're forgetting about the other thing that we've been bringing to the table that has laid the foundation for us being successful and the clients that we work with. But the thing is that we know when to turn certain parts on and when to turn other parts, you know, we, we understand when to use the certain tools that we've, we've either learned or experienced over the years. And I think that, um, I think that we often do that. We just focus on the thing that's right in front of us or the thing that, uh, that we're the, the, I'm gonna do a meat on the plate but instead of focusing on the vegetables. I don't know why I keep like the meat and the bun. I don't know. Whatever. We don't focus on the bun. We focus on just the 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 meat inside or whatever's inside instead of maybe the condiments or all the other things that we're bringing that make that burger better. In terms of like um, getting your getting the essential on your day job and allowing that to, to give you a little bit more perspective on helping other people and like maybe your side hustle or whatever that is. Um, that's, that's a piece of what you said there. Do, try, try to do some um, exercises where you actually step back from your job and really organize what it is you do at work. What is it that you do at work? Um, you know, for, for somebody it may be, Hey, I, I just do, I just do advertisements all day. I just kind of like, I just make these things all day. I'm really good at it, but you know, I don't know how that helps me do web design on the side or whatever it is. Well, it, it actually does help you. If you, if you really understand how to talk about what you do in your day job, it will inform why you're so good at your side hustle because you're just taking everything that you've learned, even though it may be mundane and boring, you are learning things at work. You're being paid to learn to apply it in a different manner on your side hustle. 
So if you can take a step back, just kind of pull back from your job and really define those pieces of your job, you can start seeing, oh, you know what? I strategize, I organize information. I, I'm really good at building taglines. I'm really good at doing this, this, and this. And this has helped me with my, with my side hustle because I've learned how to do this really effectively and really, you know, and, and boil information down quickly because my, my timetable at work is so fast. And so, you know, I need to turn things around so rapidly. I'm actually able to work really efficiently on this side for my side hustle. Um, so if we take a step back and kind of have a bigger, broader view of what we do in our day job, like for you, Diane, it's you're teaching and you're always instructing and you're, you're able to assess many different personalities at the same time. You're able to see people that really need help. You're able to see people that don't care that they want that, that they're there. Right. And sometimes instead of getting bogged down by the problems and the issues that we see where we're, where we're, you know, being paid to be every day as a day job, if we look back, wow, I'm, I'm being paid to have to deal with these people so that I don't have to deal with them over here when I get to pick my clients. Right. So there's, there's, there's perspective that if we take a step back and we look at all the wonderful things that our day jobs or our, our, our main hustle provides us, we can actually essentialize that and see that that's helping us one-to-one comparison to, to our side hustle or, or the side stuff that we do. Well, I also think it's important, like for Doc, uh, as he goes into more management roles, it's important to see what he's doing with the other people. Um, today in class, I asked the seniors to, how did they, how does, they were all lifting each other up. So not every person lifting every person, but we went to Alan and everybody said, or not everybody, but a few people just said how, what Alan brought to the table and what was different for him. And sometimes I think in my past, it's been more like, oh, I'm not the best designer. Like I'm not the, you know, oh my gosh, we got to get Diane to do that. But the part that I'm good at is more seeing something or communicating or um, lifting other people or connecting people or connecting ideas or coming. And so sometimes that stuff in the self-sabotage in my head feels less valuable, but like doc, I know that there's tons of stuff that you're doing on teams or with teams. And I, it would be good for you to ask those other people on your team, how you show up, how, what they can depend on you for. It's not just that you're fast in illustrator, I promise. And I think that um, as people are, are transitioning from being an executioner to being a uh, I know that's a probably not so great to being somebody who's managing and encouraging people and, and helping conceptualize with people. I think that's where those are the things you focus on, especially if you're trying to change jobs and do less, less execution. That is, that's the thing. I just, I just get this image of like this, this executioner with this bag over his head or the big sickle that's going to cut somebody's head off. <laughs> yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Um, but yeah, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that there's, there's facets of, of what we do that in, in our flow or in our day-to-day, -day, we forget all the things that we're actually doing because we're so concentrated on the things that, that we are either not doing well or, are doing okay and we're fixating on those things and we're actually forgetting about all the things that we do automatically 
because all those things are so innate to who we are now because we were experts at doing these little kind of things. Uh, you ask me all the time, well, how do you do that? And I'm like, I honestly don't know. I have to like really, I have to think about why I do what I do and how I, how I'm able to ask questions in a certain way or whatever, because it's so innate to who I am that I have to actually backwards engineer, like, what am I thinking about? Why am I thinking about this? And so it, that's why, that's what I mean by, by kind of taking a step back and actually discern the, the specialness of the intangible things that we do, because those are the, those are actually the, the, the things that make us special. Mm-hmm. I love that. One time, um, I remember I always would get N's in conduct. Did you get N's or did you always get S? Do you even know what I'm talking about? Yeah, unsatisfactory, satisfactory, or needs, needs improvement. improvement. <laughs> yeah, I was got it needs improvement. Almost, I don't even know if I ever got a satisfactory about um, like because I was talkative, you know, chatty. My mom never fussed at me. Yeah. My dad never fussed at me for doing that. And I think I'm very thankful because. Hey, this is what I, I didn't realize this was going to be a gift, but I know that Doc was a pastor's kid or is a pa- whatever. He grew up as a pastor. So you have to talk to all these people, different people all the time. You have to be willing to engage with a lot of different people on a regular basis that aren't just kids your age, right? So there are things that just because you've done them so long and you as your sister had kids, you have nieces and nephews, you were more um, comfortable with it. So you, there were certain things that are just going to come more naturally because you've had more practice. So I love that you were saying, um, <laughs> that you were saying that we, you, we focus on the things that we're struggling with instead of the things that we are actually really good at. Because to be honest, I think everybody's like, oh, everybody can do what I'm doing. Like it really, what, you can't send an email? That's what I think when people are like, oh, you're a good connector. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't do drugs that I can remember things. I don't know. I played that memory game a whole lot. Like, I mean, it doesn't seem like anything in anything special to be able to connect somebody, but for some people that's really important and special. Um, And so it's like stuff that I just do because I think it's just who I am. Those are the things doc. I want you to look at Amy. Those are the things Um, Fabio, John, Paul, Amanda, you know, those are D those are the things that I, I, those things that make you, that you think everybody is just like, you know, Everybody can do this. Paul said, if I can figure it, if I can figure it out, everyone can do it already. Maybe not. Right. And, and that's, a, and, that, and that's a misnomer, right? Because if you think about it, not everybody's had your path and not everybody was grew up with your sensibilities or your, um, your ways of doing things or your ways to connect. Like not everybody was a pastor's kid, Right every PK I know is very, very, very uh, A, communicative, and B, um, very uh, personable, because they've had to do it their whole life, right? Their, their life has been, has been illustrated on stage from the time that their fathers or, you know, their, their family members became pastors. So they've had to communicate in a, in a, in a varied 
array of ways with a varied array of people. So they think that was normal. It's so abnormal to, to be able to communicate effectively and to be able to, to step into a room and be comfortable with anybody that comes up with you. That's, that's really not easy for a lot of people to do. Um, so we need to like kind of take a step back and really look at like, okay, what were some of the weird things that I think were kind of weird or, or kind of strange of my upbringing that have made me do things in a, in a way, how can I talk to everybody so easily? Well, it was, it was kind of just expected of me since I was young. It, it, it conditioned me to do something. And so because of that, I can do this. And because of that, I can do this. Because of that, I can do that. And that's not everybody's, you know, we're, we're this, our personalities are diverse, are as diverse as our DNA, right? And everybody's got a special mix of every, everything um, in different proportions. And you can do things that I can't do things that I can, and I can do things that Doc can't, but Doc can do things that neither, neither of us can't. But it's because we're, we're different and God has created us in different ways to do different things and different in, with different uh, execution tactics, right? So don't negate that because that is, that's our X factor. Nobody can, nobody can do things exactly the way you do them. Um, even if they can do the same kind of thing you can do, the way you do it is why people work with you. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just funny. I'm going to, so Doc said he's always been comfortable talking about his dirty laundry, never connected the dots about being a preacher's kid whose job was making sermon illustrations. So I think that's funny. And then Fabia said is the people you surround yourself are so paramount to confidence, but it's also, they have to reflect who you are and what your amazingness is. Fabia is so fast at doing things, coming up with things, concepting or making decisions that he, I know he doesn't think, he thinks everybody can do that and everybody can't, but Fabio's really good with type and really good with retro, but he makes decisions really quickly. But he was in a job that he had to make things all the time and there wasn't time. So he iterated lots. He got better as he went instead of it trying to be perfect every time. So it does, it that's, does that's it, yeah. who you're around. So um, thank you for giving us so much extra time. Thank you guys. And next week I have Jason Johnson. I'm going to put all of Mario's links here and he does have mindset reboot coming back, um, which I'm sure you'll tell him about more later, but do you know when it's going to be? Uh, it's looking like it's going to be uh, probably around March of 2022. So okay. um, we're going to be doing some, some really great. Um, I already have some, some great speakers lined up like Tom Ross and Abby Lyman, uh, Abby Lemon, And uh, um, so both of which have been on, on here, which is yep. great. And hopefully Diane will come back and, and um, be part of that as well. I'm going to live ask and force her into it right now. I'll um, be any but, way I uh, can. I can be your backup <laughs> girl doing your, uh, <laughs> the tech. Diane's going to be a backup dancer. Everybody no, no, not backup dancer. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about that another time, but uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate just, just being here and being able to just talk about, um, how to work through some mental stuff. And if anybody, thank you, thank you for uh, dealing with my kids with me. 
Oh, I'm super happy that you were able to do it while you take care of your kids. So I just want, if people are listening, you can always follow Mario on Instagram at the Mario Quesada or on, um, or at made by maker, but you can also, uh, the Mario Quesada.com or made X maker.com, um, where you can get coaching or you can, um, what, what did you shake your head? No. Yes, it's it's just Mario Casada. You already you. Oh, it's <laughs> the the. Never mind. Well, good thing I didn't put the, it in the chat. The, yeah, that is on Instagram, but uh, and the the my the personal website will be up by the end of October. So that's my public declaration. The Mario Casada one will be up by the end of October. Yes, the comma Mario Casada. <laughs> not not the Mario Casada.com. I, yeah. I oh, I'm sorry. I wrote it in the chat. It's correct. Just HTTPS colon slash slash Mario Quesada.com. The the yet, is only on Instagram. The the is silent on the website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's not there. It's invisible. Okay. Well, guys, I hope uh, Jason Johnson was one of the first people. So back in 2012, Jason, I think was on, he was one of the first he's uh, moved from Arizona, worked at a bunch of different really cool agencies, and he does experiential design, working for a firm that does experiential design. He's gone from agency life to in-house, which he thought this, you know, uh, sometimes this can be like, oh, you know, I'm like taking a step down or something, right? But this has been such a really, it's opened his eyes to all the things he can do. And he's uh, recently gotten communication arts and they've been able to do some super custom things, which I, I think is really cool. And so I can't wait to have Jason Johnson back on. So, and he's in Utah now, so we'll, we'll see how he's, how his journey has been. And we will see you guys next week. Mario, thank you for doing this with me. And you thank your daughter and your son for being so awesome.